0: Hello, Jared. Hi, Carl, how are you? I'm doing fine and I hope you are too. I am, thank you. Welcome to A Life and Biography. Thank you. We're going to discuss your work in progress, mm-hmm. a biography of Marilyn Chambers. Mm-hmm. But first, tell us a little bit about you and how you got to this subject.
1: Yeah, um, so a little bit about me. Um, so I'm originally from the East Coast, and uh, but I've lived in San Francisco for nearly 20 years. And um, my background's in journalism. Uh, I went to school on the East Coast for for print journalism, and uh, even in the early aughts, it was a uh, a dying uh, job. So um, you know, so I thought, hey, let's join a newspaper. This this is some job security, <laughs> and. Uh, but it was great, I worked for the Boston Globe while I was a full-time student, the kind of thing you can only do in your early 20s. And um, I was actually on the night cops beat, so I was a crime reporter. Um, and uh, met a lot of wonderful people there, but I always knew I just wanted to get away from the East Coast and and move as far away from home as possible, not because of anything bad, just because I wanted new experiences and I, um, moved to San Francisco, no job, no apartment. I moved with an acquaintance of mine from college who became a a dear friend, Um, but uh, then sort of, you know, made my way around uh, the Bay Area and the city and um, didn't do much writing, um, fell into marketing, uh, which I know a lot of journalists or reporters or writers do. Um, And I've been doing that for a number of years, Um, but, As far as Marilyn Chambers, um, I first became acquainted with her when I was about 13, when I went uh, snooping in my grandfather's dresser drawer. uh, (laughs) Specifically- Already
0: a biographer.
1: I know, right? I'm already looking for (laughs) for the research, yeah. I'm trying to find things and and I found it. Um, I uh, was specifically looking for adult material and um, it was uh, a, a videotape, a VHS. And um, my grandparents weren't home at the time, and I watched it, and um, I instantly liked her. Um, I, as, as a young gay man, I was not sexually attracted to her, of course, and I'm still not, but um, I, uh, I I just liked her immediately. She had star quality, and um, you either have it or you don't. And then I would hear her name referenced on television shows, usually as a punchline uh, throughout you know the 90s, and I kind of took a perverse satisfaction in knowing who she was when I really shouldn't be knowing who she was wink wink at you know 13 14 years old <laughs> and um, and then you know I in 2011 uh, a museum out here in San Francisco Uh, called the Yerba Buena Center, did a retrospective of adult films, um, both gay and straight, made in San Francisco in the late 60s and early 70s, because this was called the smut capital of America. Um, And uh, they ended the series with a film called Resurrection of Eve, which came out in 1973. And that was made by uh, the Mitchell brothers, who were prolific pornographers in San Francisco. and the star was Marilyn Chambers. I went purely out of my fondness for her and remembering her. Um, Cause you never forget your first time. You don't forget the first adult movie that you see. And um, I don't know what happened in the theater, but um, something happened when she came on screen and I thought, man, I need to find out everything I can about this woman. And I've always had that that sort of instinct in me um, where, you know, these usually entertainers or iconoclastic figures will come into my life. And I don't really know what it means at the time. I just know I have to follow it. So um, a a decade plus later, here we are. (laughs) um, And uh, it just started as a passion project and then kind of um, really picked up in the last few years when I became acquainted with, her daughter who also lives in the Bay Area and um, proposed a biography and, uh, and here we are.
0: How did that happen? How did you get acquainted with her
1: daughter? Well, I um, had a website, I still do. I have a website, MarilynChambersarchive.com, that I put together out of just being a fan because I wanted, she has had such a diverse career in entertainment far beyond you know her adult film work Uh, And I wanted to share that with people. And um, I've always been a collector. So I was collecting all of these mementos and ephemera and different things. And uh, I was a little nervous about reaching out to her, but um, a friend of mine had been in touch with her previously. And I revamped the website in 2019 because that was the 10th anniversary of Marilyn's passing. She died in, in 2009. And um, my friend, uh, unbeknownst to me, sent this to her daughter, to Marilyn's daughter. And um, then through some, um, I didn't talk to her right away. I talked to, you know, some acquaintances and and people, um, managers, I guess, for lack of a better word. Um, And uh, then we had a phone call and um, she's just a, a bright, generous, kind loving young woman who, um, you know, and I, I told her right off the bat, look, you know, I'm, I'm a gay guy who's obsessed with your mom. So there's nothing lustful (laughs) or lascivious about this at all. It's just a, um, I just, I just like her. And, um, so there was no, no threat or it, it because she had received messages and so had I, um, from people, very graphic messages from people. Um, and uh, so we just struck up a friendship and then I proposed this biography um, and having never written one before, um, I, and have, it had been a long time since I had been published, um, I thought, what the, what the heck am I doing here? Um, so, uh, But I was committed to it and it was, it's just something I, I know I'm supposed to do, if that makes sense
0: yeah so this is how a fan becomes a biographer
1: exactly this is this is your 101 on how a fan becomes a biographer This is your how to yes
0: now now as everybody knows as soon as you have your subject for a biography everything else is easy you get a publisher right away <laughs> why are you laughing <laughs> yeah 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 if, if only I right? mean I Right. If so, someone hears the word Marilyn Chambers, oh, yeah, I remember her if they're old enough uh, mm-hmm. or they're just, you know, like you sort of a fan or they know something about Adolph Films, they, Wow. What a great subject. Yeah. And publisher. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, what happened? <laughs> you <laughs> know,
1: it, it's. Gone. And remember,
0: we have less than an hour, Jared.
1: Oh, OK, so I'll, I'll keep this brief because um, I could go on and on, but you keep me on schedule and, and tell me to, to okay. shut my mouth because I could, you know, this is my favorite topic. So I'll, I'll talk all day about her. But um, when I really committed myself to the project, the first thing I did was ask for help. And uh, because I, I and I knew there must be some sort of association or um trade association or something, if not for biographers, then for nonfiction writers or just writers in general. There had to have been, there there are many. And I was pleased to find that there is the um, bio, the Biographers International Organization, and uh, they had, or still do, a mentor program. So I reached out immediately. And fortunately, the person I was paired with uh, knew the name uh, Marilyn Chambers and She walked me through the process of um, what to do, of writing a sample chapter, of doing a proposal, finding an agent. It was all very logical. um, And it took like three years for all of that to happen. Um, Because I I just followed directions and uh, did my sample chapter first. And then as that was being edited and kind of looked over and tweaked, I started uh, my proposal. And I did that. And um, then I thought, all right, time to find an agent. And um, everyone warned me, it, it's, it's hard. And I thought, sure, I'm, I'm sure it is, but I, I'm, yeah. Um, boy, they, they were not kidding. It is really difficult. And um, especially for a first time uh, biographer who hasn't been published in a while. And you know, I had no street cred. And I was writing about, uh, you know, you'd think sex sells. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Um, No one actually ever said, no agent when I was, you know, sort of cold pitching said, I'm sorry, I'm not going to take on this topic because she was a porn star. But sometimes you have to read between the lines. Mm. And um, the same with publishers, too, because I did finally get an agent. uh, And she immediately saw the potential. And um, I but then when we started pitching to publishers, got kind of the same response um, where people were like, yeah, there's something here, it's just not for me. Mm-hmm. And I've often wondered if, if it is because it's, um, she's a porn star. And uh, even though, you know, um, because our, the Puritan values, puritanical values upon which this country was founded run deep and um, they did then, when Marilyn Chambers was a thing, and, and um, in her prime, and, and they do now. And uh, Americans are very uptight about sex, which you know doesn't surprise me. That when I did get a publisher uh, finally, um, they're UK based, and um, they're a little more open, as is you know the UK and Europe in general. Um, to sex and sexuality. So um, so I'm really excited. I really feel like I found the right home for it. And um, uh, my agent, Jane Kenny Denning, is amazing. And the publisher is Head Press. They're UK based. They, they're independent and been around for 30 years. And they specialize in this kind of um, book about cult figures, film cult, uh, cult films. Um, and they really wanted it, and that that there's something to be said for that. Um,
0: oh yeah, yeah. There there's a lot to be said for that, and I think I think given your experience and how how long it's taken you, um, it seems in retrospect. I don't know how it seems to you, but it, it seems to me in retrospect, it would almost have to be an independent publisher.
1: Yeah, yeah. I I think it. it I think we, my agent and I both sort of knew that that was gonna happen. But of course we pitched, you know, the big five and she has a sure. lot of rejections, And of course we, you know, and we got we got more answers. We got more no's than no responses. And I'll take a no over someone not responding any day. And um, the rejections were, you know, I knew they kind of more or less rolled off my back um but there was one in particular um for sort of a not not one of the big five but um kind of a medium-sized um publisher and he was acquiring biographies and and pop culture books and was a friend of of my agent and um so we sent him the proposal um to try to get some feedback because again or, or One thing is you never, you rarely get feedback. It's just, no, thank you. This isn't for me. Well, what is it about it that you didn't like? Did we do something wrong? Could we improve it? And uh, this particular gentleman um, really, really disliked the topic and the book and the project, period, and (laughs) was very vocal about that. Mm-hmm. and said it was nothing more than a magazine piece um it was i don't think you have anything here um this is you know a terrible idea and um because he was friends with my agent um he even agreed after he sort of kind of ripped apart the proposal to do a zoom meeting cuz we wanted to humanize it i wasn't necessarily intent on convincing him that he should buy this book but there are people behind this too. And uh, he was unmoved and Mm. I can still see, you know, the, the, the body language, the arms folded across the chest and he was completely unmoved. And, but I'm so it was unnecessarily hostile and that one really uh, hurt both myself and, and my agent, but I'm also really grateful for it because that was our turning point buried in within the sort of hostility whatever he was bringing to the table his own personal opinions about sex sex stars whether it was conscious or unconscious he was bringing it to the table and um, buried in there were some really valuable pieces of constructive criticism and it really helped my agent and i go back to the drawing board and say you know what let's take a second look and it was because of that that we revamped um the proposal, the cover letter, and uh, that's when things started to pick up a little bit, and we started to get more bites from people who were interested. So even though it was an unpleasant p- experience in the moment, it was I'm I'm grateful for it.
0: Yeah, can you can you think of a, something constructive that he said that that, that um, created this turnaround?
1: Yeah, um, he said that uh, you know the the film that made Marilyn Chambers a star, which came out 50 years ago, it was called Behind the Green Door. And it came out the same year as another X-rated film called Deep Throat. Right. Well, everybody knows Deep Throat, even if you haven't seen it. We have all heard about it, and thanks to Watergate, everyone knows that phrase. Um, it's been documented, there have been films, books, even a stage musical about Deep Throat. But not many people know Behind the Green Door. and we were kind of caught in that bubble of, well, of course everyone knows this movie, right? But mm. no, they didn't. And that was one of the pieces of, you know, you really have to make a better case for why this film is important and therefore why she is important. And um, one of the things I did based on that criticism, um, and this is helpful, I think for for any, um, biographers sort of struggling to get their project off the ground is, um, I started pitching magazines and even newspapers on stories about her and about Behind the Green Door, because fortunately we're in the year of the 50th anniversary of the film. And I thought that's a good hook. Um, and that took several months to get you know responses and I did get rejections, but in a matter of weeks, I got three writing assignments um, to write about her, Marilyn Chambers, to write about Behind the Green Door, and that really helped as well, not only in selling the book, but, um, just reaching a, a, more of a mass audience about, you know, why these, why the movie was important and why she should be remembered.
0: You've done a lot of, um, promotion in various ways. You've been on YouTube too, right?
1: Yeah, um, so, uh, Marilyn's daughter, McKenna, um, you know, we've become good friends over the last few years. And we decided to, uh, um, this was also part of sort of the re strategy or the strategizing after the being kind of raked over the coals by that, that acquiring editor, um, was to put our faces alongside Marilyn's face, because she was the celebrity, but we wanted to position ourselves as, you know, she's no longer here. So we're the storytellers. And, um, so we, we created a series of videos called my mother, the porn star, where I asked McKenna a series of questions, um, and about what it was like to grow up with uh, a mom who was famous for a very unusual occupation. Um, and, uh, we had a lot of fun doing it and it worked because back in January of this year, I, uh, I interviewed David Cronenberg and he his second feature film in 77 was called Rabid and it starred Marilyn Chambers and um, he had very fond memories of her of working with her and I was not sure if he was going to agree to an interview but he did and his assistant facilitated that and then near the end of our interview I said hey want to write the foreword for my book Um, (laughs) and uh he said, well, normally I'd say no, but, you know, maybe I will. He said, look, here's the real reason I'm talking to you. I love what you're doing. I really loved working with Marilyn. I have fond memories of her. Um, I love that you're working with her daughter, and I love the videos that you're doing, etc." Well, it didn't occurred to me till after the conversation was over i never mentioned the videos i never mentioned mm-hmm. them to his assistant i never mentioned them to him so when he was given this request for an interview he and or his assistant did some research and saw you know oh well that's the guy that's asking me for an interview he's with marilyn's daughter and i think it gave us a bit of of credibility um And I think that might be one of the reasons why he agreed to talk with me, um, which was great.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. That that was a, uh, doing YouTube, I think, that kind of thing, putting yourself out there, I think is um, uh, so valuable. Uh, You're already making connection with an audience
1: yeah, for sure. And um, the same with, you know, other social media accounts as well. But one of the, the things that um, also helped in pitching to publishers was, and I'm sure others have, um, other biographers have done this before when they're trying to sell their their project um was i put together essentially a a trailer for the book a video trailer for the book because and i know that, that that this can't really be done with all subjects but marilyn chambers was you know of a certain time where she gave thousands of interviews in print and and on camera and um i have many of them in my collection and so i edited a series of interviews she did over a 15 year span where she's essentially just asked the same question all by men of, so do you have any regrets? And what, you know, would you do this differently? And why did you do what you did? And sort of exposing the misogyny that she faced and how she acquitted herself with a lot of humor and wit and charm. And um, the the publisher took note of that um, and said, thank you for sending that video. So that's another, you know, I, I know, not all biographers or writers have the resources to do that, um, and it can be technical or even the know-how. But it is worth considering. I thought it was um, an interesting idea, and we thought, let's give it a shot. You know, my agent and I let's let's put a video together because she was an exquisitely beautiful woman, physically beautiful woman, and um, let's see if this helps a little bit. And and I think it did.
0: So. What is it like to, this is your first biography. Mm -hmm. Um, What's that like? And how far along are you?
1: Yeah. What's it like? Oh, God. Uh, It's, it's, um, I think I'm feeling all of the things I'm supposed to feel. You know, it's um, exciting, exhilarating, terrifying. Um, But mostly, I think, because I know I've I've just known I'm supposed to do this there's that, that's kind of the driving force behind it. Um, And just trusting that, um, because I've never thought, ah, let's give this up. Now I've always just known that I wanted to do it. Don't get me wrong. There've been plenty of times where I thought I can't do this anymore. This is, you know, this is really overwhelming. And, um, but I always knew to keep going. And uh, as far as how far along I am, the book itself is, I'm currently in an inventory stage where I'm reviewing the stuff I've written to date and it's, it's more than I thought. Uh, So now comes the piecing together of um, those chapters that I've already written. Uh, And since I've written many of them, I've done additional interviews um, and adding people's memories and, and, and the like into those chapters and expanding them a little bit. So, um, it's it's probably further along than I think, but um, you know, it's it's all of the things. It's uh, you know overwhelming and and wonderful.
0: One of the things you said, um, I'm supposed to do this. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that uh, resonates with me. Mm. Uh, I think um, my first biography was of Marilyn Monroe. Mm-hmm. And I felt even, even then, we're going back to the 1980s, uh, there have been many, many books about her. Sure. And many many publishers who uh, said to me, uh, well, she's been done. You know, there's, there's nothing else, nothing else to learn, you know. Uh, and since then, there have been so many, many more books. Yeah, But I always felt... Uh, And I certainly got lots of rejections and difficulty first getting an agent and then getting a publisher. But and I don't know how true this is for other biographers listening to a podcast like this. But I certainly have felt that way about my books, that there's something about my subject that I connect with. Mm -hmm. And in, in other words, it has nothing to do with somebody else giving me permission. Right. Uh, and of course you have to get a publisher but it's not even its not even that it's not you know oh boy I'll take this you know if I do this subject I'm going to get the publisher yeah, um, sure. it's why when people say to me sometimes when I give a talk they'll say oh what about so and so would be a great subject
1: mm-hmm.
0: well it might be a great subject but no. unless yeah. <laughs> maybe for somebody else but uh, unless I can figure some way to make a connection with that subject and feel yeah. that there's something about that subject that I think I know that in Monroe's case other biographers didn't touch yeah. or didn't yeah. understand or didn't even see. Yeah. Um, it was true of Sylvia Plath especially uh, as well as with Marilyn Monroe and you must have some of that feeling too.
1: Oh very much so. Um, you know it was I certainly am not doing this to become rich and famous. I'm not getting into publishing to do that or writing a biography, which, you know, is, is, I think my priorities are in the right place and always have been. I've just, because I wanted to tell her story. The other thing is that there never has been a book about Marilyn Chambers before. And, um, but I realized that I am tasked with sort of a, a, a double challenge of not only introducing her to a new generation, but reintroducing her to a generation that has largely forgotten her because she's been gone for so long. And, um, but it's just that, you know, driving force to keep going. And um, I know I've heard this said before, but um, but I believe it, you know, that we don't choose our subjects, our subjects choose us. And you have to have that connection to it. And what it is, sometimes you can absolutely put your finger on it and go, this is why I like it. And in other cases, like with mine and Marilyn Chambers, it's not always crystal clear why Mm -hmm. I'm drawn to that person or drawn to that subject. And I'm okay with not knowing all of the answers to why I'm not drawn to that person. I just know and have, since I was a kid, to trust that and to follow that. And um, But I agree that you have to have... You know, um, because people have done the same to me. Oh, what's your next one gonna be after this? And I was like, well, let me write the friggin' book first before <laughs> I do that. But um they've, you know, offered up some names and and I'm like, yeah, that's a good idea. I'll, I'll think that over, you know. And it <laughs> just <makes laughs> meanwhile I have my own list of names of, of sure. people that do resonate with me that uh I think you know would make for an interesting subject. So um, it's, you just have to have that connection and, and, you yeah, know, that's why I think the subject, you know, kind of spiritually or however it works, they choose you. So for some reason, she chose me. And
0: but sometimes uh, just, I've been stunned, um, years later, sometimes it will dawn on me why I did a particular biography. Mm-hmm. You know, I had my thoughts and feelings and, and hunches at the time Uh, But uh, once uh, I was doing an interview, uh, I was working on a biography of Martha Gellhorn, and I had just completed a biography of Lillian Hellman. And I was interviewing one of Martha Gellhorn's uh, childhood friends in St. Louis, and she was talking about Martha Gellhorn's adopted son and her son, both of whom uh, the mothers were worrying about because... Uh, their sons were most likely going to be drafted into the Vietnam War. Mm. And in the middle of this interview, suddenly it's like alarm bells went off or uh, flashes of lightning, because I, I suddenly realized why I wrote a certain chapter in the Hellman biography the way I did. Yeah, It never even occurred to me yeah. that it was something in my experience. It had to do with their testimony before Congress, which, believe it or not, Made me remember what it was like to appear in front of my draft board. Yeah, uh, and I at the time I wasn't making any such connection at all.
1: Isn't and isn't it amazing though how how you know the brain, the unconscious, it, it stores that away, and sometimes you know you'll get that moment, that aha moment, where you think that's why I did that. Yeah, and, you know I'm sure there are you know unconscious reasons why i'm doing this and as i said before i'm okay if i don't get those answers but if i do i'm sure they'll be illuminating you know it's it's like when you have a dream that kind of triggers a memory that you've buried for a long time you know and you're like oh that's why i've been behaving that way for the last 40 years um i should probably change that and uh, <laughs> you so know. You yes. also
0: yeah, you also mentioned uh, the, the issue of male chauvinism, the questions that she was asked about, do you have any regrets? Yeah Often what happens uh, in my case, and I'm suspecting it's happening in your cases too, is you look at these things, interviews or whatever it is, and you, you start to get really sort of worked up and say, you're asking the wrong questions. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's part of what the biography, and it, if the person has been maligned, or ridiculed, as, say, Marilyn Monroe was uh, often, um, the biography becomes, in a way, a kind of work of redemption.
1: Absolutely. And and that's what I hope it is. You know, I've always said, I said this to my agent when, um, when we first met and connected, that I'm writing a classic celebrity biography about a woman, an entertainer, who happen to make adult films. I'm not writing a book about a female porn star and there's a distinction. And I know some people will view it that way when it comes out and that's okay. And I'm not out to convince anyone, you know, that, hey, porn is great. Everyone should be a porn star, but um, I'm really trying to tell the story of a woman who has been or was maligned for so long and even continues to be to this day. So here's a little um, uh, a little tidbit. If you go to imdb.com, which many of us are familiar with, especially film buffs, um, if you type in Marilyn Chambers' name, she does not come up.
0: Oh boy.
1: Yeah. It, one of her softcore films that she did in the 90s called Marilyn Chambers' Desire comes up. And then you can, if you click on that, then you can get to her page. And the same is true for many search engines. You know how they auto-populate what you're, they predict yeah. you're gonna write. Um, you type in Marilyn, of course, Monroe is the first thing that pops up. But when you type Chambers, you get her disco single that she did in the 70s. Um, didn't we all uh, do a <laughs> disco record? and um, Or you get this Australian soap opera where a woman plays uh, this long-running um, Australian soap opera where a woman plays a character named Marilyn Chambers. And um, the search results themselves will bring up Marilyn Chambers, the adult film star and entertainer. But she's still kind of even you know through um, the wonders of the internet kind of being swept under the rug. Um, and I don't think there's a person behind that. I think that's the algorithm, but she's been attached to that word, porn. Yeah. So when someone types that in or tries to type it in, they don't show those results first. And uh, it's, it's infuriating to me as her biographer that she even has to, you know, even even in death, she's been gone for, for what, thirteen years now. That she she's still, you know, um, trying to be kept hidden by the powers that be, by you
0: know. Yeah, it's the it's the rigidity of categories. Yeah, uh, and and uh, it it's, it's like a thought tunnel. Uh, that occurs, um, uh, when I did my proposal for my first Sylvia Plath biography, I started with this provocative sentence that Sylvia Plath is the Marilyn Monroe of literature. Mm. And one very astute editor who had actually bought one of my other biographies, immediately, I don't think he read the rest of the proposal, if he did, he didn't, didn't read it very carefully. He immediately assumed that what I was saying was that Sylvia Plath and Marilyn Monroe were victims, oh too bad. <laughs> that isn't what I was saying at all. Yeah. I went on to you know, explain how these were women who wanted the world to know them and you know, all these different registers and ways and And I, I was trying to cut across boundaries, too, you know, movie star, poet, literary figure, how these things actually can be brought together in the biography I'm writing. But he just completely missed it,
1: yeah, and that's why I think, you know, as I mentioned earlier, I had to read between the lines of of some of these rejections of people who knew who she was and thought, it's a porn star. I don't really want to touch that. That's going to be difficult to sell. Yeah. And, uh it, it's a shame because this, this isn't a book about a porn star. It's about a woman. There was a human being there. She was a human being and she wanted to be an entertainer. And um she became one and she did a lot of mainstream mainstream stuff more than you know people realize. And and that too is one of the things I hope to shed light on. Um but it's to your point about categories, categorization, and and um, the different uh, sort of preconceived notions that we have attached to certain words like porn or pornography and what it means to different people. So um, it's it's really fascinating, but it's also you know um, very frustrating at times to get people to see past their own. In many cases preconceived notions that they don't even realize they have.
0: Well, I think this raises a really fundamental issue about biography, and biographers, as well as everyone else, can be guilty of this. Uh, That is, they look at a subject of a book, whatever the subject person is, male or female, and they say, well, I'm not interested in that subject. Mm -hmm. And, And they're not thinking about, in a sense, how it's told. Yeah. I, I've always been amazed at how reviewers aren't at all interested in in, in a, a biography in the way it's told they're just interested in talking about the subject yeah uh, and so I think you were you were you were facing that issue um, I guess you know I want to give a talk someday <laughs> to biographers to say you know you've got to be loyalty to the genre
1: yeah. For sure. And, and navigating that I, I know will be, you know, that's the challenge, but that's yeah. also the fun too, you know, is, is, you know, I could throw the kitchen sink in there and give all the film buff tidbits and all those things that as one myself, I, I you know, get excited to read and to learn about, but, you know, there is a craft to it. It's, a, I learned very quickly, especially after, becoming a member of bio that this is unlike any other kind of nonfiction writing. And um, the, it really is a, a a skill and an art. And there's a craft there that um, is sometimes very difficult to do. Um, and, you know, we could do a whole show about, so why do we do it? Um, yes, we will. We yeah. will do that show someday. Mm-hmm. Um but it's you know, I think it this might be a pedestrian answer, but it all comes down to telling stories. We're just telling stories and and I prefer true stories and as opposed to making them up myself. Um and you know, I, I find this person interesting and hopefully others will too. Um and I just so I'm excited to share her story I, I sometimes just feel like I'm the creative vessel who's getting this out so um, you know hopefully I just I just want to do a good job you know um, sure. and, and but be accurate and fair and uh, honest you know um, and just tell tell the truth and uh, you know not dwell on what people might assume I dwell on, which will be, you know, the making of porn movies, which is actually, having done research, is pretty tiresome, yeah. <laughs> not, yeah. not as sexy as the people realize or think, I think so.
0: Yeah, I, it's, it's uh, for me, it always comes back to the question of the former, as you say, the story. Um, there are really no departments of biography in schools and universities. Uh, Biography isn't looked at that way. The novels are looked at that way. Novelists Mm -hmm. have said what you said. That is, novelists have said, Faulkner has said, the characters pick me, I don't pick the characters.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, And biography has that connection to storytelling, to fiction, but as you say, it's the telling of true stories. That's that's what we're aiming at.
1: Yeah, yeah, Uh, it's,
0: what else should I have asked you? Anything? Um,
1: no, I don't think so. I, I think um, uh, I'm, I'm just, <laughs> I'll be really interested and excited when the book does come out to come back on your show. Yes, you will. About, That's for sure. Yeah. All about how easy it was, right? Yeah. Just think, is finding yeah. an agent and finding a publisher and, yeah. uh, and everything connected to that. So yeah, um, uh yeah i think i think we've covered everything and at least for the work in progress
0: okay well we'll just say to listeners then stay tuned
1: yes yes and um i'll I'll do my quick marketing plug if you want to go ahead yeah uh you can go to on all the social media channels um so on instagram it's jared Stearns sf on twitter it's private chambers on uh facebook you can friend me linkedin um, and if you're interested in learning more about Marilyn Chambers now, you can go to MarilynChambersArchive.com, which is my website, and, um, hopefully find her story as interesting as I do and, um, looking forward to sharing it with the world.
0: So listeners, that's all you get right now until the book comes out.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's all you get. Yes. Okay. <laughs> well, thanks very much, Jared. It's been Thank a Thank you, Carl. I really appreciate it.
0: Okay. I'll I'll be posting this. You'll get a copy and everyone else will too.
1: All right. Thank you so much. I'll take care.
0: Bye-bye. Bye.